FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 278 of the podcast that goes snicked. It's the flashback Acts of Vengeance After Party. I'm your host, Jason. Clean Shaven Venable, which is not only appropriate for our story with everyone's favorite Nazi barber, <laughs> but also for the first time in like five or six years, I'm clean shaven momentarily it will not last long enjoy it while it lasts but there you go anyway this is the uh, acts of vengeance after party our last flashback episode we uh wrapped up acts of vengeance but now we're gonna tie up some dangling storylines some loose threads gonna pull them through tie the knot and away we go um you know it's a kind of after party that you know, originally I had hoped that it'd be like the bustling after party. You know, we had the big party and it's time to close down, but we all go somewhere and hang out. But really, it's, it turned into the kind of after party that one guy thought the party was still going. He goes to the next bar by himself to drink, <laughs> and that guy's me. <laughs> anyway, no, just kidding. But um, but yeah, um, you know, flying solo tonight, I'm going to talk about a handful of books just to kind of catches up and move Wolverine's story along um talk about a few issues of Wolverine and then a little graphic novel and then uh, we'll catch up with our old buddy Sabretooth all that part of the acts of vengeance after parties so all right well here we go let's get to it let's not waste time because you know when I'm by myself I gotta keep it moving so you don't get bored only hearing one voice (laughs) Anyway, we're going to start off with Wolverine number 21. This is uh, Battleground, written by Archie Goodwin, breakdowns by John Byrne, finishes, finish him, by Klaus Jansen, letters by Jim Novak, colors by Glennis Oliver. And uh, we have a cover by John Byrne, which is a extreme close-up of a red Wolverine face with lots of lines. <laughs> it's very, very liney. <laughs> it's not bad. I mean, Wolverine's kind of scowling, of course. You see just the the edges of his mutton chops and the little hair thing hanging down in front of his rabid pink eyes. But um, eh, it's a fine cover. It's very rough. Intentionally, you know, John Byrne in this, this storyline has returned to Wolverine. Um has really kind of focused on the more rougher art style, you know, like we talked about when Pat was here, very different than the simultaneous kind of classic burn that's going on at West Coast Avengers right now. This is a very, very rough and sketchy, but this this cover definitely matches that. But, you know, it's not bad, and the color work is cool, so not a bad little cover. So we will jump right in. Uh, Basically, remember, um, Wolverine had invaded Tierra Verde. He had helped... La Bandera to try to wipe out the El Presidente and his magic cocaine, which may or may not have been caused by an alien. 
<laughs> we we're gonna find out exactly what's going on here. Um. Oh, and there's this guy, the, the Nazi Barbara guy, Geist, who uh, can mostly cyborg and turn his hands into different attachments, including a very convenient straight razor to shave everybody. Does lots of shaving. He's really into that. Um. Anyway, uh, we start off with guys hunting Wolverine. They had just escaped um, in Sister Salvation and Rough House. Uh, and he's hunting all of them through the Terra Verde jungle. Wolverine is trying to fight off the magic coat. Not coat. Not, it's not the Technicolor dream coat. Wolverine is trying to fight off the magic cocaine that Geist shot him up with, but needs the sister's help. But it's not enough as Wolverine goes mad and hallucinates about fighting Geist in World War II. But during the hallucination, we kind of have a step in where we meet Spore, an ancient creature who was destroyed by the Celestials and trapped in the ground until he grew into magic cocaine. Yep. Alright, so once ingested, he tried to grow into new bodies. But most of them were not strong enough for the transformation and died. That is, until Wolverine's healing factor. Dun, dun, dun. We do get a cool image of Wolverine's healing factor. There's a bunch of tiny Wolverines attacking the spore. Probably the highlight of this issue. Um, Wolverine uh, seems to buck the sickness, but Sister Salvation left a trail for Geist and El Presidente. Knowing or at least hoping she could trade Wolverine and Roughhouse for her son. And we end with all our heroes surrounded. So, um, that's really the story. And we get a little segue that, that, that puts this back in the past. Uh, this story takes place before Uncanny 249, which goes back, you know, a good ways. Um, but kind of catches up on why he would still see the X-Men for a second. <laughs> because as you know, they've all gone through the Siege Perilous. So, um, yeah, you know. Not a whole lot going on outside the synopsis. I will, like I said, the part there's this part with the uh, hallucination is pretty cool. The World War II scene is cool. We have Wolverine running around cutting up Nazis. I mean that's fun. And then I thought the symbolism of like his healing factors, antibodies being a bunch of little Wolverines fighting the spore was really kind of interesting. It was kind of cool. Um, definitely the highlight of the issue. I would say the art was fine. Um, this kind of burn, just kind of laying it out and Jansen finishing. I like both those guys a lot. You know, the more I see the team up, the lesser I am that it's a good team up. But well, the art, I mean, it's fine. Um, you just would expect with those two names for it to be awesome. And it's not awesome. So that's disappointing. Um, the story is, eh, it's kind of dumb, but it's okay. Like I said, there's there's a cool part with the healing factor with just a bunch of little Wolverines fighting like like white blood cells. It's it's nice. Um, but overall, I would give Wolverine number twenty one three out of six claws. I'll probably not remember what happened <laughs> in a couple of months. <laughs> but um. Anyway, we're going to jump over to Wolverine number 22. This is Outburst, which, uh, no change in the creative team. Everything exactly the same. On the cover, we have Wolverine being swallowed by Spur, Spore, Spore, 
not the Spurs. Um, <laughs> it's not the Admiral or Timmy D um, or Genozoe. Um but anyway, uh, so so Spore, who kind of starting to look like a giant clay face type creature, is uh, enveloping Wolverine. Um, Wolverine's trying to fight his way out. Um, it's a cool cover, very busy. Um, you know, kind of what you're used to with Burn. Lots of detail in the Spore. Lots of lumps and bumps and almost tumors on this guy. Um, it's pretty pretty decent cover. Um, yeah, so basically, um, after being betrayed by Sister Salvation, Wolverine is tortured by Geist, and Sister Salvation is reunited with her son Paulo, who happens to be in El, Presid El Presidente's army. So, back in their cell, Wolverine recaps and explains Spore for Roughhouse. This bothers the new Zen Roughhouse. He's all calm after being healed by Sister Salvation. She not only like cured him of the coke, but also of his more violent tendencies. Um, anyway, so she hears Sister Salvation scream, and that pushes him over the edge, giving him the strength to break the chains of love and escape. Uh, we find out that she was screaming, Sister Salvation, that is because El Presidente wants to use the magic cocaine on their own son. But Wolverine um, cuts in just in time to block Geist's magic coke darts with his claws and cut off his handgun. Unfortunately, the darts deflected into El Presidente. They kind of ricocheted off of Wolverine's claws. Um, and Sister Salvation refuses to heal him. Geist makes a getaway but runs into attack by La Bandera and her revolutionaries. El Presidente promptly turns into Spore. La Bandera breaks in but Spore scares off all her troops, depleting her inspiration-fed powers. So she runs out of juice. Wolverine tries to burn Spore with a flamethrower but it doesn't work and we end where the cover began with Spore swallowing Wolverine. So there's an interesting opening page of a literal wolverine uh, tracking some blood through the snow. We have a Japanese sun centered on Mariko. And she's going to use this famous Yoshida sword to cut the wolverine. But we find out outside the hallucination, it's Sister Salvation trying to trying to wake wolverine up. And, um, you know, he's tortured again by Geist's straight razor. Um... Then the, the other thing kind of interesting on uh, page 16, if you're following along, um, we get a nice um, double... Uh, oh, there's a couple of good, couple of good lines here. Because um, he talks about uh, when it comes to hurting this place, I owe him double anyway. Because uh, Roughhouse says, Gotta save Sister Salvation, Wolverine, but I don't want to hurt anybody. That side of me's gone, along with having that living disease in me. And Wolverine's like, Fair enough. I can hurt him for the both of us. Pretty good line. And um, then Roughhouse finds Wolverine's costume. And um, Wolverine says, Well, I come to do business. Better do it in a business suit. <laughs> That's kind of a, a funny Wolverine line as he gets dressed in his, uh, his uh, brown and tan or orange and brown, whatever business suit uh, good lines yep all right so the art again not bad not as as good as you'd like it to be um i gotta kind of hand it to goodwin in this issue though this is not a great issue 
But I think this is about as good as a story about a magic alien cocaine monster can be. So, I mean, in the parameter of his own concept and or outline, though, let's be honest, kind of feels like a John Byrne idea and Goodwin scripted it. I don't know. Something about it just feels Bernie to me. The cheesier side of Byrne. Um, could be wrong. Could be all Goodwin, but it kind of feels like Byrne was like, hey, what if we had magic cocaine and it was a celestial reject alien and it turned into this big clay rubbery monster and Goodwin's like, all right, I can work with that. <laughs> I just have a feeling that's what happened. But um, anyway, I'm going to give number 22 three out of six claws again. And we're, man, we're trucking right along. This episode may be shorter than I thought. <laughs> But, um, all right, so that takes us to Wolverine number 23. No change to the creative team, except for, and uh, there is a change, I'm sorry. The art on this one is all by John Byrne. Um, so that's, that's good, right? Um, and we've moved a couple of X-Men issues ahead. We're now in front of uh, issue 251, according to the editor's note. But this is Endings. And again, we have a cover by John Byrne and Mac. Uh, cover dated 1990. And we're, yeah, we're in the 90s. We're, we're moving along. Um, this cover is awesome. It's all like a black and green tone, like almost an aqua teal color. And we just have Wolverine's face and hand coming out of the shadows. And in the reflection of his claws, you see Spore. It is a fantastic cover. By far... The best of this whole little run, I think. Um, it's just a great, great cover. Um, yeah, definitely. Just fantastic. Um, all right. So, much to Spore's shock, Wolverine claws his way out of the evil Play-Doh and attacks in berserker mode. This inspires the troops, thus recharging La Bandera. But Spore is still absorbing bodies and growing bigger and stronger, so Wolverine sounds a retreat. Sister Salvation returns and suggests that maybe she can kind of heal Spore, maybe? So Law Bandera and Wolverine surprise attack Spore and knock him over so Sister Salvation can give him the touch. It works and Spore dissolves, but Sister Salvation's hands are severely burned and disfigured. There's a question about what she is if she can no longer heal. La Bandera continues her revolution, optimistic that after El Presidente's death, that she can turn things around. Rough out, yeah, you know, the story's over and we're barely a few pages in. There's a lot of like after story <laughs> in this issue. Um, so, yeah, um, so the revolution goes well with La Bandera. Rough House vows to stay behind and protect the sister and her son. But Wolverine has a loose end to tie up. Geist! Wolverine finds him and carves off all his cybernetics. On his way out of town, Wolverine runs into CIA agent Bascom, who tells him they extradited Geist as an informant, which does not make Wolverine very happy. But, you know, he had warned him, wheels inside of wheels, right? So Wolverine then returns to Madripoor. But as Wolverine, he's retiring Patch. So that's an interesting little note. Um, he kidnaps General Coy and Prince to the sewers. 
and tells him that he took the magic crack that they bought from Geist. Really, I mean, the same magic cocaine, just in crack form. Um, this horrifies and humiliates them as they crawl literally through the shit to escape. He didn't take it, actually. He just destroyed it. But they don't know that. And from his berserk, animalistic rage, I mean, makes sense to be on crack, right? <laughs> so Wolverine goes back to find the X-Men, which resets us to right before the Reaver story. Um, then there's another epilogue as Magneto finds Geist, who remembers him from a World War II concentration camp. We don't see, but we assume it does not end well for Geist. So... There you go. Um, yeah, I gotta say the art is a little better. You know, you definitely benefit from Byrne just kind of doing it himself. Um, and that's not a knock on Jansen. I just, like I said, they just maybe weren't the best combo. Um, but we do get some pretty interesting um, insight into Wolverine a little bit. Uh, you know, duty, honor, the good fight, a worthy death. Those are part of me, but faith, not really my nature. Comes hard, takes time. But Spore has given us that until he's ready. And so he just kind of talks about because Roughhouse and Sister Salvation are asking Wolverine to have some faith. And just kind of doesn't really work out so well for him all the time. It's just an interesting little kind of dichotomy, you know, fighting with the Sister Salvation and Roughhouse, who obviously is. Uh, endeared to the sister. I don't I want to say like smitten like he's fallen for. He just feels very tied to her. Is it a good way to say it, I guess. Um but yeah, so art's pretty good. Um the story, there's a lot going on. <laughs> like I said, several kind of endings. Kind of just very quietly. No more patch, I guess. So I know he's going to be back in Madripoor. We'll see if he just stays Wolverine. I don't really remember. Actually, I mean, all this little section is going to be new for me. So, um, like I talked about earlier, my first time to read these issues. So, you know, my previous reading, he was patched, and then I caught on way later, and obviously he wasn't. So, be interesting to see how clean, you know, just interesting to see how clean that um, transition is, or, or if it is, or if it just kind of, oh, forget patch. <laughs> Which I've kind of always assumed is what happened, but we'll see. We'll see what happens in number 24. Um, speaking of number 24, on the letters page, we're promised an awesome cover by Todd McFarlane. We will not get that, but we're going to get a great, really awesome Jim Lee cover, so it's going to be okay. We'll talk about that cover when we get there. But I thought it was interesting. I do think that McFarlane cover, this unused Shows up in a pinup later. Could be wrong, but I think it does. Um, so we'll definitely keep our eye out for that. Um, I thought, thought this issue was a little better, but the pacing was odd. And like I said, it kind of ends like seven times, <laughs> it feels like. Um, so I'm going to give Wolverine 23, three out of six claws. Um, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Oh, I meant to check something. Uh, let's see if I need this real fast while I'm transitioning. A little segue. Because um, we're going to talk about another issue of Uncanny X-Men that doesn't really have Wolverine in it, but kind of shows them for a second. 
I just want to check something real fast. Let's uh, look at this. Do, 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 do. I think I'm right if my memory serves me correctly, but I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I think. Oh, no. Okay. Nope. Perfect. All right. Cool. I will save that conversation. Well, that's, that's good because I'll get to talk. That's good because I'll get to talk about it with Cameron. So I'll save that conversation now that I've looked at future issues and verified a little piece of information. But anyway, we're going to talk about Uncanny X Men number 259. This is Dream a Little Dream. Written, of course, by Chris Claremont. Art by Mark Silvestri. Inked by Dan Green. Been a while since I got to say that. Um, <laughs> some of you are happy, some of you are mad. <laughs> or maybe not mad. Surely no one's mad about that. Right? Anyway. Um, letters by Tom Orjakowski and the colors by Glennis Oliver. It's interesting the different coloring style, though. Um, colors are great in the Wolverine, but this is more kind of, I don't know, what you think of when you think of Glennis Oliver. Um, but yeah. So we have a cover by Sylvester and Green, which is a fleshy colossus beating up some a pile of genotions. It's a pretty good cover, gotta say. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. All right, so basically, uh, what we're going to do is kind of catch up. So we catch up with Colossus and Dazzler post-Siege Perilous. So Colossus shows up in Phil and Jenny's New York apartment. Remember them from the Genosha story? That's the, uh, the head guy's son and his mutate girlfriend, right? They escaped and went to hide in New York where, you know, they have kind of some immunity, right? Because the Genoshans don't have jurisdiction in America. So, but that doesn't stop them. So Colossus shows up in their apartment, buck, stark, naked, just as some Genosian magistrates show up to try to collect them. Peter, um, not, I don't know if he's not having his powers or just not using them, but he doesn't armor up. So I, I'm trying to remember when he goes through the Siege Perilous if he lost his powers for a while or just forgot about that he had them or just, just doesn't use them. I don't, I'll have to refresh my memory as we go. But um, regardless, he does not armor up, but he's still able to help fight them off. Um, but unfortunately, the fight scares the building owner who's going to evict them until Peter agrees to be the handyman if all, all of them can stay there. And the Genotians, uh, Phil and Jenny, of course, are are more than happy to let Peter stay because he just helped save them. So, I mean, why not, right? Um, Peter also starts painting again and becomes obsessed with a mysterious billboard model. More to come on that later. Um, as in other episodes. <laughs> um, Dazzler is found also stark naked on the beach by Guido, who reminds her of who she is, including her time as an X-Men. And here's where we kind of get a group shot that includes Wolverine. Um, of course, he says, but y'all are all dead. But here you are. And Dazzler's like, well, am I a ghost? Am I a fake? And he's like, I don't think so. You seem like the real Dazzler. Um, anyway, she goes out on the town and, of course, finds trouble. And that's kind of what happens in this issue, really. I mean, kind of Wolverine barely in there, so won't spend a lot of time on it. Um, the art is pretty good. Not Sylvester's best. 
Um, you know, he has been rocking his A game lately. This one feels a little, I don't know, a little, I'm going to say rushed, but maybe, maybe a little rushed, just a little, a little less detailed than some of the last few issues he had done. Um, anyway, it's still pretty good. The story is fine and doesn't really flow great. Lots of weird meanwhiles and kind of interruptions. Um, plus, it's a whole lot of setup. But in and of itself, like, it's just not that interesting Like as a single issue. Like where it fits into the whole story. Like, yeah, okay, that's kind of cool. But like as a single issue, doesn't really entirely hold my interest all that much. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I'm going to give Uncanny X-Men number 259 three out of three claws. All right, so up. Next, we have Marvel graphic number, number, graphic number, that makes no sense, Jason. We have Marvel graphic novel number 58, which has a Wolverine appearance. Um, let me jump back into that. That is the Silver Surfer and Slavers graphic novel. Um, so we're going to look at this real fast. Uh, Wolverine, you would think, yeah, he's kind of barely in it, but he gets a little action. So it'll be fun to talk, kind of talk about. Um, well, my Apple work. So I only have it on um, Marvel Unlimited. I tried to find like a decently priced copy and was not really able to. I think the the cheapest one I was able to find was a really pretty beat up one for like 15 bucks. So I didn't really want to do that. Um, so I'm just reading it and then you, the reason I will say that is I'm going to talk about how great the colors are. I'm assuming they're also really pretty good in the printed copy, but they really, really pop on the digital copy. And I know a lot of this stuff is recolored. So, so when I talk about the colors, maybe not exactly what they looked like, but I bet it's pretty close. Anyway, uh, this is the Enslavers, starring Silver Surfer. The story is by Stan Lee and Keith Pollard. The pencils are by Keith Pollard. Inks are by uh, Joseph Rubenstein, Jose Marzan, and Chris Ivey. Colors by Paul Mounts. Letterer by Michael Heisler. Designs by Don Geiger. Um, and I gotta say that I don't know if the cover on this is the original or a reprint. The cover's fine. It's kind of a montage of everything that happens in the story. Um, the inside title page is much cooler. Uh, it's just kind of Silver Surfer on his board, floating, surfing, not floating, he's surfing above the earth. It's like a big white page with a little square of, of cosmic space and a little earth and Silver Surfer floating around. Or, I keep saying surfing. He's surfing around it. It's a great little picture. Um, would have made a better cover, I think, than what we got. But, you know, neither here nor there, I guess. Um, all right, so in this story, uh, we, we start out in deep space where Galactus finds the Voyager 3 space probe. Grumbling about his promise to the Silver Surfer to never eat the Earth, he tosses it aside where it continues its travels until the Enslavers find it and learn all about Earth. The Enslavers are this crazy like space race with this giant ship uh, led by one guy who kind of enslaves everybody. Hence the name. Uh, Silver Surfer is having nightmares of Shalabal 
is love and visits Reed Richards on Earth for help. He suggests she may still be alive and urges the surfer to return to the desolate planet Zen La, his home planet, and see if he can find some clues, which of course he surfs off to do. The enslavers wishing to conquer Earth first enslave all the superheroes, including Wolverine, probably a little too easily. Most of them were taken by surprise, but not all of them. It's a fairly easy conquest, kind of disappointing in that regard. Anyway, they bring all the heroes to their giant ship. Uh, Thing, oh, so they get an audience with the Master Slaver. Um, Thing suggests that the Enslavers wouldn't stand a chance if they weren't chained up, which is interesting because they weren't chained up when they got captured. I mean, they had to get subdued to be put in chains first, so why didn't he make that argument? You would think, you know, if we could beat you without the chains, we would have prevented the chains, but I don't know. It's a weird than grim argument. <laughs> uh, so, Morangu Mu, the enslaver king, unchains them all and says, all right, then bring it on. Wolverine, of course, leads the charge, but his claws can't cut Morongo Mu. The rest of the heroes pile on, but Morongo Mu easily discharges them, absorbing their strength. That's his power. That's why he's such a good slave master. Because he takes everyone's powers. Um, he then hooks up his new slaves to power his ship so he can get uh, so he can get more slaves to well, keep powering his ship. <laughs> kind of a circular logic. He needs to power his ship so he gets slaves so he can power his ship. Um anyway, we meet uh Tanea, Tanaya, I don't know his reluctant queen who runs off in her space yacht. Um, Marungo Mu uh, notices Shalabal amongst his slave girls and favors her. Uh, there's some iffy, a little bit rapey kind of things in this. The, I don't know, I was kind of ignore for now. Um, Silver Surfer following a starry clue from Zen Law happens upon an enslaver ship trying to recapture Tanaya's space yacht and intervenes and saves her. Even a little bit more rapey, her power is to trick people into thinking that she is their lover. Whoever their lover is, they see her as that, and that's her power. So he uh, silver serves her body. Oh, yeah, maybe, but weird because it's kind of not really what he wants to do. Or what he thinks is yeah, that's weird. Like like comic book like tricking people into sexy timings that you think there's somebody else is that's uh, problematic to me. But whatever, I guess I'm just sensitive. Um, so once he realizes he is duped, the surfer is peeved, and he also feels that all of Earth has been enslaved. He kind of gets a, a psychic message, in a way, from Earth energy. Um, but luckily, Tanea says, that sounds like Morongo Moon, and I know all about him. So they surf off to stop him. When they encounter Moo at the new... I'm sorry, at the, yeah, at the new... His new kind of earthly throne room at the UN building... Uh, the surfer recognizes Shalabal as one of his slaves, as his main slave girl. Uh, this is after Return of the Jedi, so there's some uh, there's some slave girl Leia vibe going on here. But anyway, he uh, obviously gets mad and attacks 
Morando Mew halts the attack and proposes a duel to the death. The surfer agrees, but secretly gives half of his cosmic power to a human scientist to free the slaves and destroy Morongo Moo's slave engines. A half-powered surfer is nearing defeat and just can't quite fight the all-powerful slave master, but the scientist sacrifices himself to accomplish his part of the plan, and that sends his portion of the cosmic power back to the surfer just in the nick of time to defeat Morongo Moo. The freed slaves, um, and not shown, but assuming our, our heroes are part of this, that's another kind of disappointing thing. You would think our heroes would be at the forefront of leading the charge once they're free. Don't really see them. Anyway, the freed slaves take over the enslaver ship, and Surfer is reunited with Shalabal. Um, all the heroes convene on the Baxter Building roof to, sell, to tell the Silver Surfer bye. He and Shalabal leave for their new mission to return all the slaves to their respective home worlds. So I gotta say, the art... Oh wait, <laughs> there's also this page when the, all the heroes are on the roof. They're all just kind of gathered around and Wolverine's smoking. <laughs> it's like a little, he's got a little cigarette, a little smoke, just kind of drawn in, hanging out with all his hero buddies, no one else having any vices, but, but Wolverine's on the roof smoking. I thought that was kind of funny. I don't know. It tickled my funny bone for whatever reason. Take it for what you will. Um, I guess he's the bad boy of the heroes, even even when he's not the focus. <laughs> so, yeah, I got to say, this art was pretty great. Um, I have mentioned not having the original colors in the print, but the Marvel Unlimited colors really pop and really bring this to life. Lots of just great, this great page after page visually of art. It looks really, really good. Um, excuse me. Uh, the story, like I said, there's some weird elements and maybe even some elements that are a little uncomfortable, but it's pretty fun overall. And it just feels like a really good peek into who the Silver Surfer is. Um, now, it's funny because in my 60s read-through, I just got to his first appearance. And there's some things referenced in this story, kind of visually. Um, for example, like the panel where Kirby has Galactus um, strip Silver Surfer of some of his powers. He's like, fine, you're not going to be my herald. Ugh. And so we kind of get a visual, another visual kind of homage to that in part of the story. So there's some cool little things there, too, as well. Um, yeah, but I really like that Wolverine, like... Um, let me find his little page here. Because um, Thing is... Well, let, me just, let me actually find it. It's not that far away here. There's a cool line. Uh, Thing is basically saying, you wouldn't spout off like that if we wasn't tied up. And Grey Hulk says, unchain us and see how puny we are. And like I said, he's kind of like, bring it on. And Wolverine's like, you melted our chains? All right. And uh, Thing is like, out of my way, Blue-Eyed Benjamin is going to tackle him first. But Wolverine's like, forget it, Rockhead, he's got to be mine. And then <laughs> Morongo moves like, come then, little creature, there'll be much for you to learn. You just kind of have that weird, weird speech <laughs> that Stan Lee likes to do, where people kind of talk simplistically. 
You know, it's kind of the same thing as like when you get like robot speech and stuff like that. Not always my cup of tea, but it wasn't as bad here. Um, anyway, I kind of oscillated um, between a four and a five on this one, but I think I'm going to end up giving it a really strong four out of six claws. Like, like almost in that five territory, not quite for me. Um, but I would definitely recommend it. For a graphic novel I'd never heard of before, it was pretty good. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, so that kind of catches us up, uh, gets us ready for our next Wolverine story. Um, but before we close out the episode, we are going to talk about Sabretooth, and he's in uh, three issues of X Factor. So we have X Factor number 51, which is Home, written by Louise Simonson, penciled by Terry Shoemaker, inked by Alan Milgram, letters by Joe Rosen, and colors by Tom Vincent, and um, covers by Shoemaker. And so remember, Sabretooth is presumed dead, right? I think the last time we saw him was, well, let me check. I think it was Wolverine 10. I have a handy little list here. Let me find it. Uh, do, 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 do. So, oh no, sorry, it was the Amazing Spider-Man story. So, um, or the Assassination Nation, um, or Assassination Plot, I guess it was. Anyway, um, yeah. So that's the last time we saw Sabretooth. He's running around, but he's still presumed dead. But now he's back in New York and on the prowl. Um, so this cover is a decent cover. It has Archangel with his little wings. Um, I don't know. No, the little wings are dark and he has really barely their full wings behind that. Um, anyway, he's flying around fighting some helicopters. It's, it's a fine cover. All right, so basically Sabretooth, like I said, still rumored dead. is going to finish what he started with the Morlocks. He's back on the hunt. Um, finds Mole and a chicken wing guy. Um, Caliban asks Apocalypse to attack Sabretooth for revenge from the mutant massacre, but Pocky says no. Um, they have like this video monitor where Apocalypse is kind of see wherever. So they're watching Sabretooth mutilate the, uh, the chicken wing guy. Uh, Mole gets away, of course. Um, so X-Factor returns to Earth from their very boring space story. And ships and plants itself as the new X-Factor Tower in Manhattan. This causes quite a stir with news choppers and police helicopters. And uh, fearing his own temper, Archangel flees the press and is spotted by Sabretooth. Caliban gets mad at Apocalypse and teleports to New York City to find the Marauders himself. And Apocalypse, as he is, tends to do, says, Well, that was really my plan all along to push you into proving yourself. <laughs> That's kind of our, our issue. There's a lot of kind of X-Factor drama going on with that. We uh, we meet Opal. Um, there's an awesome thing on page 17 uh, where Mole looks like Teen Wolf. <laughs> like the, the Michael J. Fox version, not the dumb MTV version. Um, then we get an interesting thing on uh, page 27. Or I think I'm looking at my notes. Yeah, we get a archangel snapped as he pops his wings out. And so 
not a Wolverine snack, but we still get a snack. And that's pretty cool. Um, so this art is average at best. Um, you know, coming off of Simonson and Paul Smith, um, Shoemaker seems pretty pedestrian. Um, uh, the story's not bad. Uh, I'll give X Factor 51 3 out of 6 claws. So, X Factor 52 is um, mostly the same credit. So, Louise Simonson, the writer again, Wheezy. Uh, Terry Shoemaker, still the penciler. Milgram, the inker. Uh, Joe Rosen, the letterer. Uh, B. Vancada does the colors. And this time we have a cover by Liefeld, Rob Liefeld and Al Milgram, where Sabretooth has two left feet. <laughs> I guess he can't dance. <laughs> I don't know why he has two left feet, though, but he really does. Look at the, look at the cover. Um, anyway, it's not a bad cover. I mean, it's, it has this Liefeld things going on, but I always thought Liefeld did a decent Sabretooth. Never mind his Sabretooth. His Archangel, um, other than, like, Really super thigh. Um, it's not bad either. So it's it's a it's a decent cover. It's pretty cool, I guess. Um, so basically, uh, Saber Two switches gears and shoots question mark Arch Archangel out of the sky. I don't know about him. I guess he has before when he did the whole working for the foreigner thing. So I guess it's it's an early Saber Tooth cannon to use use an assault rifle, but um. Anyway, he does. He shoots Archangel out of the sky. A really great fight ensues. Definitely the highlight of the story is, is Sabretooth fighting Archangel. Um, it's lots of cool action. Uh, meanwhile, Iceman meets Opal and the other three X-Factor herbs uh, fight giant cockroaches. Um, so, you're, you missed that, Cameron. <laughs> Reminds me, uh, I gotta tell this story. So, I, I'm sure he's mellowed out a little bit. Uh, growing up, Cameron really hated roaches. I didn't even call it a fear. Like, no one likes roaches, right? Except for that Joe's apartment guy. But, um, I would say he had a little bit of a cockroachophobia. And, um, I remember, uh, we came home to his house really late after prom, as teenagers tend to do. And, um, his room was upstairs. So, you know, we kind of quietly come in the house. We're going upstairs so we can hang out some more. And he turns on the light, and there's this big old cockroach on the ceiling fan. And it sprouted wings and flew and kind of tried to kamikaze Cameron. So it's like three in the morning and, you know, Cameron's got his parents, his little brother. And I think at that time his grandma was either living with them or, or at least staying over there a lot. And um, Cameron goes uh, screaming down the stairs like a little girl and, um, that reminds me if you've ever if you remember Home Alone, uh, kind of the way that guy screams, <laughs> this very high pitched uh, feminine scream. Anyway, uh, it both scared and greatly amused me, and I'm I'm always felt bad for laughing at Cameron's expense. But whenever I see like just really bad roach stories, that's what I always think of. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, back to the main event. Sabretooth and Archangel cut each other to shreds before they both collapse on a snowy rooftop. Um, yeah, man, this, really the highlight of the story, especially as a Sabretooth fan, is 
just this really awesome fight between Sabretooth and Archangel on this rooftop and kind of wish that was all the story. Um, not that the other part of the story is bad, but you know, it can use a little more attention. It can use maybe some bigger panels, maybe some you know full and half page splashes to really show some just awesome art and action. Um, kind of wish a different artist had drawn it. I don't, I don't really know a whole lot about Shoemaker. I know I've read some of his stuff. I think he did some issues in New Mutants, maybe. I uh, could be wrong there. If I'm wrong, please don't yell at me. But um. That's my mental connection. So, whatever, my mind is made it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, the art is better than the previous issue, but it's still not great. Um, but yeah, the Sabretooth Archangel fight was great. Um, the rest is kind of meh. Um, but I'm going to give X-Factor number 52 four out of six claws. Which takes us, of course numerically speaking, to X-Factor number 53. Um, we have Wheezy, the writer, Shoemaker, the penciler, Milgram, the inker, Rosa, the letterer, and Tom Vincent, the colors. Um, so we have what seems like a very important cover, a lot going on. This issue, Cyclops, pops a question. Iceman goes out on a date uh, with Opal, oops. <laughs> uh, Sabretooth hunts. Caliban Triumphant. And it's a cover by Shoemaker. Like I said, a lot of kind of important things going on. Not a very well drawn cover. I don't like his saber tooth on this cover. Um I really don't like Shoemaker's Caliban at all. Um But yeah, it's, I don't know. It's kinda of not kinda of a drab cover. Like, drab's a good word. All right. So remember Caliban had teleported out two issues ago, and now he finally ends his teleportion trip and ports to the rooftop, but Sabretooth is gone. So he decides to fight the Awakening Archangel instead, hoping to prove his superiority to Apocalypse. Caliban has the injured Archangel on the ropes until the cops interfere. Confident he has made his point, Caliban leaves Archangel for dead and escapes. Uh, meanwhile, Cyclops proposes to Jean, but unsure of whose memories and feelings are hers, you know, between herself and the Phoenix and Madeline Pryor, she has all these kind of mixed up feelings and memories, and she, and she wants to get it straightened out, so she says no to Cyclops' proposal for now. Um, meanwhile, Sabretooth, uh, feeling like he's done his, his thing with Archangel, is stalking the mole who was stalking Iceman and Opal. Because when Mole ran off, he uh, crawled into the basement of uh, Opal's record store where she works. And of course, she found him and takes care of him. But then she meets Iceman and he gets uh, jealous. So he's following them on their date, but Sabretooth is following him. Um, of course, Mole gets found out and gets caught. And so he goes back to the sewers where Sabretooth is waiting for him. We don't see the outcome, but we can just assume that it's no bueno for Mole. Um, and we're not going to see... I mean, it's the last page, so you think, oh, well, maybe we see that next issue. No, we don't. Um, Sabretooth won't show up again until he pops up in New Mutants. Um, so, 
Well, yeah, but we'll assume that, that Mole kind of does not get the good end of that deal. Um, so the art, about the same. The story's a little better. The highlight's still the Archangel fight, even though this time it's against Caliban. But still definitely the best part of the story. Um, but I really like Sabretooth's mean last line, uh, adding insult to upcoming injury. So he sees Mole in the sewer, um, of course, Mole's upset because, you know, Opal chose Iceman and, you know, he was kind of hoping he could have Opal. But um, Sabretooth, we see him in the shadows and he says, Yo, Chop, and there's one thing I can't stand is a crybaby. <laughs> I don't think he's going to wipe his tears. <laughs> anyway, it's a good last line. So Sabretooth, I mean, he's Sabretooth. He's mean. Mean old cuss. Um... I guess it makes sense that he's back to kind of wrap up some loose ends. You'd think he maybe would have done it sooner, but, you know, whatever. He's back, you know, trying to take care of, of the Morlocks. Um, doesn't really mention whether he's trying to find the other Marauders or not. Caliban is, but Sabretooth just kind of seems to be content to do his own thing for now. So, we'll see where he shows up. But anyway, I'm going to give X-Factor number 53, four out of six claws. Really like the Archangel stuff. The rest, mm. Not a little better, um, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how X Factor kind of picks up. Um, this is a part of the series that I kind of remember being a little bit of a dip, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, maybe that's just a residual disinterest in that uh, Judgment War story. So anyway, that kind of wraps everything up, catches us up, and gets us ready to kind of move on and move in full force into the 90s at least in the 1990 um so i hope you enjoyed the episode that was our acts of vengeance after party um next up as far as flashbacks um will be the wolverine jungle adventure um of course the regular episodes are going to catch up uh, and talk about some x23 news some all new wolverine news um talk about some current comics that'll be the next episode so Anyway, um, hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, if you have any thoughts about these issues, feel free to share them. Um, of course, our Twitter is at SnickCast. Um, like the Facebook page, you can find us there. Uh, show notes and stuff are snickcast.podbean.com. And yeah, that's going to do it. So, until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. And snacked.